0: Let's see. Host is muted our mind. We, we're we muted. The host got unmuted, right? Boom. All right. Now we're good, right?
1: We're live. Are we live. Oh, we live. Uh, how you doing, Abby? Hi, Chris. How are you?
0: Boom. I'm doing really well. Another week, another show.
1: Another week. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Okay. I have,
0: <laughs> I'm still on the road. So today I'm in Huntsville, Alabama. So I'm hitting all the country spots.
1: Oh, you in Alabama.
0: Yeah. So left Mississippi
1: yeah. to Alabama.
0: Boom. we'll
1: talk then,
0: about alabama another day come on absolutely you know not <laughs> ain't gonna work about it right this is but yeah, my, i'm at actually my mentor's house so because this is always like god god's country so uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so it's, it's oh. all good so good deal so you know today's we'll have a good show um so let's go ahead and get started so you know i'm christopher bush
1: i'm abby joseph
0: hey guys welcome to another episode of the red line You know we got some you know some good stuff for you guys tonight. We're gonna kind of shoot from the hip, right? Um, You know, so we got some good information. So go ahead and play our intro. That's
1: Hunter. That's Hunter. Boom,
0: well, we back. Somebody asked, like, where, Chris, where part of where my business located? It's like, so it's located in, uh, I'm in Gaucher, Mississippi. So uh, my office is actually on Gaucher Van Cleef Road. Uh, if you're from Moss Point, but I used to go to First Baptist in Moss Point, Mississippi, uh, Miss Peyton. Um, so yeah, my whole my mom still goes there on Main on Main Street. So I don't know if you go there, but hey, Miss Peyton, were,
1: were you born in Mississippi, Chris? Yeah,
0: yeah, I was born in uh, Pascagoula, Mississippi,
1: mm. uh, at Singing
0: River Hospital. Right? Um, boom, boom. boom. Awesome. Yeah. So let's good. So what? So what we got tonight?
1: We have a great show for you guys tonight. Um, tonight we're we want to actually um, break down what is, um, a deduction, right? And, um, what, how does IRS sees how you are deducting your expense? Um, and the reason why I wanted to speak about that tonight is because to tax season is almost over. And it is one of the biggest issue that I found throughout the year, almost every year is that, you know, what our um, viewers are, Are learning in Instagram, YouTube from influencers, and what IRS says is two different things. So, we want to really um, get you guys to understand one, what is a deduction? Two, what is uh, considered a necessary and ordinary deduction, right? Expense. And we want to go over, you know, what is the difference between a credit and a debit.
0: Boom. So, you got a full plate tonight. Come on. (laughs) So, since. (laughs) So yes. since you got a full plate, I don't, I don't want to, you know, hold you back on your stuff. So um, let's kind of get right into it, then. Let's, let's, what, what you got for it? Where you want to start?
1: Um, I always want to start with you guys. Let me see. Let me share a screen with you guys. I always love to go to ios.gov. So let's go to ios.gov. Let me see. Uh, let's make sure you guys can see my screen. Let's do this instead. Nope. Let's do this instead all right can you guys can you see my screen can you guys see my screen let me see from can you see my screen can you hear me chris yeah i can see,
0: I can see your screen
1: okay perfect guys i always love to go to ios.gov with you guys and the reason why is i want whatever it is that we talk about i want it to be um directly from irs right so what is what is the difference right what is the difference between a let's just say a debit and a credit I know you guys love um um, Google University um let's go straight to Google University um a a credit and a deduction that's the word you hear me say credit and debit and then what we're going to do is I want you to go straight to iOS.gov right iOS literally says how credits and deduction works um, a deduction can reduce the amount of your income before you calculate the tax owe. It's literally what IRS says, right? So how does that work? So when you're looking at your total expense, let's just say my, um, my, total, um, my, um, my total income for the year is 100K. Let's use 100k for an example, and I have a total of $20,000 worth of deduction. Well, that lowers my um, net income to about 80k, right? Whereas, as a credit, IRS says credit can reduce the amount of tax you owe. So the difference is one of them lowers your net income, the other lowers your tax liability. Does that make sense? So Let's go back to that 100K. Let's just say I owe um, my total income is 100K and I have um, $20,000 of deduction that leaves me with a net income of $80,000 deduction, but I have $10,000 of a credit. Well, whatever my total tax liability is, it's subtracted from my total um, liability. I wish I could draw. So let's, um, let's go back to that example. If I have 100K, and I want you guys to, um, uh, to chin in with, with um, if you guys understand or not. So I have 100K, my total net income, uh, my total um, ADI, which is my gross income. Um, if I have $20,000 worth a deduction, that leaves my total net income as 80000 right? And um, depending on where I'm at in the tax bracket, let's just say I owe about $10,000 worth of, of, of tax. Well, with a credit, that $10,000, right, would be subtracted from whatever my credit is. So your credit is some is subtracted from your tax liability, whereas your deduction is subtracted from your total gross income, right? So, so what, so, mm-hmm.
0: okay, wait, I'm sorry. I was going to ask you like what give me an example of a credit what, what would be what would be a credit versa deduction
1: okay so let's just say um my um travel expense is a deduction right mm-hmm. a credit would be um my tesla
0: your tesla would be a credit not a deduction why, why wouldn't a tesla be a deduction
1: well then, because the EV, right, the electro, uh, electronic vehicle is a credit, there's a credit that is being given for purchasing that vehicle, Correct. right?
0: So, yep. So can we get a, is there a situation where we get a credit and a deduction? So if the if we're buying a Tesla, we get a credit of 7,500, I think, right? But if we're mm-hmm. if the Tesla is in our business name, we will then get a business deduction. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's not, net, well, you could, it depends on, right? And I'm glad you brought that up. It depends on, it depends on, okay, um, are we depreciating the vehicle or are we deducting the expense of the vehicle? So okay. when we're deducting the expense of the vehicle, we're deducting either mileage or we're deducting um, the okay. maintenance of that expense, but, um, or the um the um not the payment but either the interest or the finance of that vehicle when we're depreciating a vehicle um we're depreciating either um the, a percentage of that depreciation can go up to like 5 years so you can you can do both right but it's going to be depending on the percentage so one of the things that your accountant will ask Chris is what is the percentage of you using that vehicle for business? So gotcha. what I find that influences influencers will say is that listen, you can use the i seventy the seventy nine um, um, the bonus depreciation. Section one
0: seventy nine of the code. Correct. Right. But that's only if you purchase it, right? But it's not if you lease it. Lease it. Lease it. it no. doesn't, that doesn't count as a section one seventy nine.
1: No, it doesn't. You cannot so, depreciate. You cannot depreciate a leasing vehicle. You yeah. can um, you can deduct the finance, meaning whatever the amount that you pay in per month on that vehicle or the interest you paid in that vehicle, but you can't depreciate a leasing um, vehicle if that makes any sense. So again, so remember the credit right is a it is in a specific amount right? It's a specific amount that um, um, IRS or the government will will throw out there. Like we can use some example of credits. We can use like, say for an example, my um, tuition expense can be a credit, right? I, um, adopting a child, you can obtain a credit. Um, solar, um, using the solar system, right? Um, that can be a credit. A deduction, guys, need to be both Ordinary and necessary. So you may say, okay, Abby, what does ordinary and necessary means? Um, Ordinary literally means that the, uh, that deduction is specifically for the purpose of the business. Like say for an example, for me, right? In order for me to run my business, I need to have QuickBooks. That's ordinary. I need to have that. Right. Um, and necessary is pretty much the purpose of the business expense deduction usually means it's helpful or opposed or required. So what happened is that there was um, one of my client reached out to me this week and say, hey, an influencer says that I can actually deduct my birthday, um, my birthday um, party. And I said, your birthday party. So how do we explain to IRS that that birthday party, right, let's just say my 40th birthday party, I throw a party, there's 50 of us. How do I explain to IRS that this was business related? So the person individually said, okay, we can make this birthday party a masterclass. Then call it a masterclass. Don't call it a birthday party. Right. Because then in IRS mindset, we are manipulating, right? We are manipulating the law. And that's one thing you don't want to do. Then we are functioning unethically.
0: Gotcha.
1: Right. So you want to make sure your expenses are ordinary and that they are necessary. You want to also make sure that um, your expenses are aligned with your business. It's kind of like saying you are a financial advisor, Chris, right? But you went let me see. What did you purchase? What did you purchase? Oh, give me an example. You went and purchased, okay. You like to play golf. You went and purchased um, a golf cart, right? And you said, well, that was for business. And the, um, and, um, every, um, I use it as a business because I meet with my client every day. I meet with my client in this golf cart, right? And we play golf. You're going to have to explain, you're going to have to show proof to IRS that you will never use this personally.
0: Yeah, other than me going to play golf.
1: Other than you playing golf with what? With your business partners.
0: Yeah, or clients.
1: Or clients. Same thing as. So so,
0: so even if I put, well, what if I just put my logo on there? That doesn't make it a business?
1: Well, if you put your logo in there, now it has an identification, it has an identity. Things have to have an identity, right? It's the same thing that, you know, I'll find influencers. I say, well, Abby, you know, um, I bought these these bags for $5,000 and I want to be able to, um, to deduct this bag. Um, I use it, you know, the way that I look is very important. I use it fine you can deduct it but you're going to have to show proof to irs that you will never use it personally yeah. so i think there's a fine line and yeah. we need to kind of like think about it's really easy you need to ask yourself this question is this for me or is this the business yeah. if you can answer that question then you're functioning ethically but if you try to manipulate because my issue is not necessarily that you are designed to deduct as much as you can is the manipulation We, it's 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 a red flag when you're trying to manipulate IRS. Yeah, and
0: and manipulation is key, especially when there's no documentation, right? So so the thing the thing about it, so if you can say that I'm not uh, manipulating the IRS or the code, it's Mm -hmm. it's the documentation that you that you do with it, right? And I think that's one thing we don't talk about enough. Um, you know, even as I got started into the business in the beginning, right? That documentation, because you're so focused on for me gaining clientele, building portfolios, make sure the investments are going well, right? Doing all the things for the client, mm-hmm. right? So, so, so the second thing is okay, but I gotta run a business. I'm not just an advisor right? That's, that's, that's what I do, but I run a business as well. Right. And those are two Mm -hmm. separate things. You can be a great artist, but are you great at the business side of artistry? Mm -hmm. Right. So, uh, you know, that's the part that's huge and where you want to have help and um, I'm helping your corner to facilitate that.
1: Yeah. So some of the things that are qualified as business income deductions guys, you, one of the big thing I tell people is like iOS is public. Um, just like when you are in a stock market, right, and you are you are reviewing a ticker. Let's just say you're reviewing Apple, for an example, right? You need to know the fundamental side of Apple. and You need to know the technical side of Apple. So whenever anyone goes out there, right, and providing you this information, it is important that you do your DDs. You can go to ios.gov. You can review it. You know, you can Google it um, and then go straight and verify it. It's just, I think when... Um, um, terms are important. There's a definition for every word we use, right? So when we say birthday party, what is in our, what is in our mindset? Personal. Yeah. This is a personal event. It is not a business event. Yeah. When we say masterclass, when we say webinar, when we say conference. Now, if you want to turn your birthday to a conference and you want to deduct that as in a business expense, I'm all for it. Do not call it a birthday party. Don't call it a birthday party. Yeah. So now um, we did have a couple of questions. One of the questions um, um, that someone did have was, the one you always provide, it's a question regarding HSA. Miss Emily, what's what's the HSA question? I know you did have that last week, you said.
0: Yeah, so oh, she, was, she I think she was just, she was referring, to, I don't know if it was a kind of a question in the email, but what I read from it, um, she was just asking, is it a good idea for her to trade out of her HSA, right? is you know, it a I mean, good
1: idea to trade in it or out of it
0: well inside of it right it, you know she's the issue I, I believe she's doing some type of day trading i believe right and if you're there you can help us out
1: you can um i don't know if you should um you you can trade inside of your H- hsa the only thing is um your hsa there's only a specific amount that you can actually roll over for the um the following year so you want to make sure that you stay in line with that, um, that specific amount. But you can trade and tie your HSA. Yeah, really? yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, when you're when you're having any account, account, um, any account you can trade out of, I think it really boils down to, like we kind of talked about on previous shows, is, um, you know, how good are you at trading, right? If you're not that great at trading, then maybe you probably shouldn't be trading it, right? <laughs> uh, so I, <laughs> I think it's as simple as that, right? If not, you, you want to say, hey, look, I'm picking great positions, uh, whether it's ETFs, whether it's individual stocks or combination, mutual funds, however you're doing it. And, hey, I'm letting that ride. Right. But I think it's, it's really about your strategy. And I think even with some of my clients, you know, personally, if, if we want to have a more of a, a active role inside of an HSA, then we can do that. But, OK, let that be managed um, professionally or, you know, we can kind of pick some things out. But it's totally up to you on how you do it. Right. If you're, It depends on what your skill level is at trading. That, that's all I tell people. Right. Any account trade it, But. What's your skill level? OK,
1: yeah. Um, so most likely, I think Emily is a day trader, so she probably know what she's doing.
0: Yeah. Well, it looks like she's a real estate agent as well, you know? So let's go.
1: Let's go, Emily.
0: Right. Emily where, where, I don't know where she's located, uh, so if
1: y'all know she's located. Emily, I think um, um, Chris asked where are you located.
0: Uh, she mean, uh, she was talking earlier, but it's OK. What other, <laughs> question, what other question did you have on yours?
1: Um, let's list some, um, deductions that they can deduct so we can go over some of these deductions. Okay. We can list them. So when it comes to like, um, that's necessary, let's go over some, um, necessary deductions. So, um, okay. So like, as personally your daycare, Daycare expenses are considered a necessary expense, right? Well, no, let's move out of person. Let's go to the business aspect. So, when it comes to your business, right, you have, all right, you have, if you look, um, you have your um, advertising that is an expense. You have your vehicle expense. You have professional expense. You have um, supplies expense. You have travel expense. You have meal um, expense entertainment is not a deduction.
0: Yeah. So what what would that be?
1: Entertainment is not a deduction at, at all. You can't deduct entertainment. Gotcha. And this is why too. When the when when my client says my birthday party can be a deduction to me, that's entertainment, right? You're entertaining um, individuals, so entertainment is not a deduction. Um, what else is the deductions? Um, you know, continue education. If you are a trader, um, you already know your subscriptions, your trading view is a deduction. Um, continue education. Any books you purchase that is related to the business, any conferences that you attended, any seminars. Those. Let me, are- let
0: me, let me ask you this. So so <laughs> I know when I was an employee, because, there, there, again, there's a lot of people that may be employees, maybe don't have a business. So like I, was, I would go to a lot of conferences, seminars, books, to, you know, I would do those things to personal develop as a W2 employee. How does that how, how does that help me at all?
1: OK, so understand that tax benefits was never is it, not created for individuals. Tax benefits are created for business owners, so you can't deduct those. Absolutely. Unfortunately. So your business expenses, guys, you can't deduct. So here's what you can do on a personal level. um, You can deduct. So let's just say I have my home office, right? This is my office. So what I can do is there, um, let's just say my house is about, let's say my house is 3000 square feet and, um, my office is about 300, 300 square feet, right? Let's take this calculator up. If my house is 300 square feet, I'm going to take 3000, right? We're going to divide it by 300. That gives me about what, 10%, right? Yeah. I can actually deduct 10% off my mortgage, my interest, my tax, my maintenance, my light bill, my water bill, um, all of my expenses, my phone. So I can actually deduct 10% off of all of those expense so then you will find people say oh you can deduct everything i think maybe that's what they mean when they say you can deduct everything so it's not everything you can deduct you can deduct a percentage and that is based on your square footage of your office
0: absolutely she's uh we got a question that paid five thousand for the trade and travel course how can i deduct it uh again if if there's if she's not a business then that can't be conducted right if that's if that if she doesn't have
1: if you are trading under an entity, um, a solo to own un- oh, music, if you are trading under entity, yes, you can deduct that expense, that okay, expense, it was, uh, educational if it, expense. If
0: it's paid under business name, then of course, yeah. If it's paid under business name, right, it's huge. And, and, and I, I guess I want to talk about that just a little bit as well. Um, you know, maybe we have, but I think it's so important for, to, to build wealth, uh, you know, Find a way to have some type of part time business that's legitimate because yep. right? it, it not only just helps you for your mental but it helps you from a tax perspective, it helps you build wealth quicker, it helps you get to mm-hmm. where you want to go. And I know there's some people that say, Hey, Chris, I don't want to be an employee, you know, I don't want to be, you know, um, in business, I don't want to have a part time business. Um, and, and again, it's okay, right? But just understand if you want to be able to maximize. Um, You know, your income coming in, having something that you're doing part time as you can turn your passion into profit. uh, It's so important to be able to focus on that, you know, Uh, because that's what I find out a lot when I'm doing financial plans for clients. The biggest thing is, you know, if you don't have the income that you need, then we got to focus on how can we increase that income? Right. You know, how can we do something part time? How can we turn something into a business? Because those are times where you can really start to move forward and kind of pick up that pace.
1: You know, oh, yeah. And, and not only that, I mean, who does not want passive income? Right. It's literally so there's three type of incomes, right? We have earned income, yeah. we have passive income yeah. and we have portfolio income,
0: yeah. right?
1: Earn income is our W-2. Passive income is what we can obtain from um, from real estate and portfolio income is the stock market, right? or yeah. dividends. So, um when we're looking at those three incomes, me personally, I feel like all of us should at least be active in all those three incomes. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So maybe we start off with earned income. Maybe I I started off with a W-2 and now with I use that income from my W-2 to build a passive income. Yeah. And then the passive income have created a portfolio income. Absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah. So I think all three of us. I think those three incomes should be something that as a whole you look into one income. Um, if you if one income is 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 content, if you content with one income and you make enough to to serve you well, then that's fine. But if you're looking at other ways to invest and build other income, then passive income and portfolio income is an amazing way of building um, um, wealth. Is it paid under a business name? So let's just say, um, Leo, let me see. Let's take that question okay so the question Leo asked is it paid under a business name so if it is paid in um, on a business name then yes you can deduct it if it's not paid in a business name and it was for business purposes then you can have your accountant provide you what's called with an accountable plan and with an accountable plan is is when we use our personal money right for business purposes and um, and now we need to we need to be reimbursed for that So you if you use your personal funds to actually um, for that course and you are trading under an entity, then request an accountable plan from your um, from your accountant. Can you deduct online trading courses, J. Altamore? If you are trading under an entity, yes. Remember, I said if you are trading under entity or TTS status. TTS status is Trader Tax status. So if you are trading under um, um, an LLC, S Corp, or C Corp, yes, you can. Okay. Is it too late to change your trading personal to business? I trade daily, so Char Char. There's going to be some specific questions that I would want to ask you um, to make sure that one, you are a day trader, two, that you are a profitable trader, because then uh, we are in March, right? Um, Being that we are in March, we're still early in the year. So yes, you can actually um, start trading under an entity um, if you meet those requirements. Remember, we spoke about what those requirements are, right? Let's go to... Let me see. Am I sharing screen still? Let me share a screen with y'all. Okay, perfect. Thank you. So, let's go to ios.gov. Remember 47 We remember we talked about um, publication 475 420 429 not 475. So, you want to make sure that you've met these requirements. If you met these requirements and you are um, and you want to actually start trading under entity, then yes, you can. Right, then you want to create your entity now. Write this down once you create your entity under federal, state, and county level. Right, um, the state on the state level is irs.gov. The I'm sorry, the federal level is irs.gov. The state level is depending on what state you're in and your county level. So once you register your entity, you created your entity, you want to open with a, a business checking account. Once you open that business checking account, you wanna fund the business checking account. Once you fund the business checking account, then you wanna go to your brokerage, right? You wanna go to your broker. And you want to open a business brokerage account. Once you open your business brokerage account, then you want to fund the business brokerage account. But you want to fund it from your business checking account and not your personal account. And then you can start trading under a business that are trading under um, your social security number. Um, Leo Funkhauser. Sorry, I'm back. No, you're perfectly fine. I've been sitting here just answering questions. So um, I hope that answered a question for you. No, I think it was Char Char. That was your question. Is it too late to change your trading from personal to business? If you meet those requirements, no, it's not. Um, TTS, thank you for iOS Gov. No problem at all. So yes, do um, read the publication 429. The publication 429 does go over what those requirements are. And if you are eligible, then absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we talked about those different deductions, guys. Remember on a business Let me say tax benefit was never created. It was at one point created for personal and business. But our wonderful president, past president, had changed that. So and the reason why he changed that is because he increased the standard deduction. If you remember um, 10 years ago, the standard deduction was not so high. Um, so what he did was he said, hey, listen, I'm going to take away these personal deductions that you can deduct. Remember, you used to be able to deduct moving expense. You used to be able to deduct um, improvement that you've done in your home. Those expense, those deductions have went away. So um, what was his name again? Donald Trump? <laughs> so yep. what Donald Trump did was he said, hey, listen, I'm going to take away those deduction and I'm going to increase your standard deduction. So because on the standard deduction on a personal level increased, now he made it to where the benefits are off of business owners, not necessarily personal. So on a personal level, um, what it is that you can deduct, you can choose two things. You can use the standard deduction. Or you can use itemize. You can itemize your deductions. And pretty much what itemize itemizing your deduction does is if your personal expense outdo your standard deduction, then you should itemize. But if they don't, then the standard deduction is the best for you guys.
0: Well,
1: that was a mouthful. Look at you.
0: Look at you. All right. So I know I had a question that I was going to really tap into tonight. Um, One of the questions that I received was from. Let me see who was. I forgot who was from already.
1: Well, you can't Um, say the
0: name. Who is it from?
1: Well, you can't say the name.
0: Oh, I can't say who. Okay, so I can't say who it's from. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Someone emailed. We talked about. You know. Hey, thank you so much uh, for what you do. Please, could you explain um, the self-directed Roth IRA and how to set that up? So, so you know, I think that's an interesting topic. When it comes looking at self directed IRAs, whether that's a self directed Roth, that's a self directed uh, traditional IRA, um, those cannot typically be done, let's say, at a TD Ameritrade or Charles Schwab or um, a Fidelity. They typically, you gotta make sure you have a trustee attached. So companies like the Entrust Group or Equity Trust, um, there's a couple of them. If you Google, there's like a, a, quite a few. Um, I've, I've used Equity Trust, um, uh, the, I'm sorry, I've used the Entrust Group for mine. Um, before on transactions, so what a self-directed IRA is, how it works differently than a Roth or a regular traditional, is just the asset class. Okay, mm-hmm. traditionally, if you open up a traditional Roth IRA or a real, um, I'm sorry, a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, you're only going to be able to do stocks, bonds, mutual funds, those type things, right? So, so with, with the self-directed, now you're really self-directing that money into whatever asset class that you want to have. So that's allow you to get more diversification. Okay, mm-hmm. so for instance, I'm actually working with um you know a client right now that he's retiring but he's still working right so he retired he's gonna have a decent sized pension he's gonna have a lump sum but he loves to hunt okay uh so one of his favorite things is that so since he loves to hunt uh he wants to actually use a portion of his lump sum that he's getting from uh, from his job from his pension he really wants to use that money to actually purchase land, right so he can actually then hunt he can lease it out Um, He can focus, you know, he's looking at the mineral rights. We're looking also at the timber that he can sell from that land. All right. So he can actually buy that land inside that IRA. Okay, so we can roll. You know, again, it's typically done when people have a lump sum of money or money coming from a previous job or a lump sum. That's, you know, pre-tax money that you can kind of put in there or after tax money if it's a role. But remember, Mm -hmm. the contribution limits are still the same. Right, so you still can't contribute more than that sixty five hundred a year if you're under the age of fifty years old. If you're over the age of fifty, you can do seventy five hundred. The monthly contributions are still the same. I'm sorry, the yearly contributions are still the same. Right, but it's about what what you're able to roll over inside that IRA. Okay. Okay. So in this case, you know he's getting close to like one hundred and ninety two thousand dollars. So you know. Of that, he said, "Well, Chris, maybe I want to lose fifty thousand. Use fifty thousand dollars of that to invest inside of a self-directed, so I can buy this piece of land. But just remember, when you're buying assets, right, Mm -hmm. inside of an IRA or a a traditional IRA or Roth self-directed, again, those profits have to go back to the IRA, right? So let's say you invest in real estate. Okay, Mm -hmm. say, hey, look, I want to buy this property for one hundred thousand. I use my, you know, my traditional or Roth IRA. I'm self-directed. I have inside." Well, if you're getting rental income from that IRA, that rental income is technically profits just as it would grow inside of a stock bond or mutual stocks bond, mutual fund, or ETF. Okay. So those profits have to go back to where? That account. Okay. Right? You can't just say, oh, since I invested in real estate, I can pull that those profits out and put that money into my bank account, right? Even
1: it, even if it's a Roth?
0: Correct. Yeah, because it's member, so it's okay. so well, I'm gonna take that back. Right. So in, in inside of a Roth. There's mm-hmm. there's ways that you probably can and be not be penalized, unlike with the traditional IRA, right? Because again, yeah. in Roth, you can pull money out, Yeah. Right? So you can pull it for the first five minutes. So yes, you can't actually pull money out of the Roth side, um, mm-hmm. and you can still do it from a traditional side. But understanding the tax implications—they yes. don't go away. That's they the whole. Don't. The tax implication of that do not go away inside mm-hmm. of a traditional or Roth, right? right? So if you say, hey, look, I'm pull, I'm putting the money in and taking it right back out. Roth, you're going to get that 10% early withdrawal if you're not 59 and a half. And if you have not held an account, at least been open for at least five years. Right. So I think when it comes to your inside of your financial plan, you know, I guess the question is, well, when do I start to incorporate a self-directed Roth or a self-directed traditional IRA? Uh, It's really going to depend upon, again, your entire financial plan. Right. Because I don't want somebody to get stuck into investing into a traditional Roth self-directed and they may need to start getting income from that account, but maybe their real estate has not been developed, or they bought land and they can't sell it, right? So it's not. A, it tends, tends to be less liquid sometimes, depending on an asset class. But it gives you also more diversification, right? Other than just stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, right? Um, so again, it, it's definitely a great way if somebody's in a real estate game or land, if they want to buy precious metals. Uh, you know, that's a way that you can do crypto inside of a self-directed IRA. Um, there's multiple different ways that you can use that self-directed option. Okay.
1: Actually, we have a client that um, he had a lump sum in a 401k and didn't know that he had. I love telling this story because I love um, I loved how we helped him. And um, what we did was we um, we converted the 401k to a Roth, and he was trading under the Roth. He gotcha. was trading cryptocurrency under the Roth. So what he did was we created we created an entity for him. We created an LLC. The LLC owned the Roth, right? And then he traded under the, under um, the LLC in the Roth. It was nice. There it is. And then that that all the um, all the gains was tax free. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And not so- only tax free, but it was protected as well too. Because you look, you know, when that LLC, you know, protected his personal assets.
0: Perfect. Again, guys. There's, I mean, there's so many different ways so that we can ways. do that. So. Right. So, again, I really think that, you know, self self self-directed IRA, they have their place. And again, it's really dependent upon your overall financial needs. I just wouldn't just say, hey, look, I got six thousand dollars. You know, I'm going to put I'm going to put money into a self-directed because there's also going to be higher fees, typically from self-directed options, uh, options of IRAs, because you got to pay a trustee. Right. So it is going to be typically because, again, if you're doing self-directed, now there's more paperwork, there's more documentation, there's more involved. Than just doing paper assets. So people have to just be careful on hey, I got to work with a credible company that is good mm-hmm. with the documentation of this asset that I'm putting inside this self directed Roth or traditional to make sure that I'm hitting all the levers and I don't get caught from a, uh, a tax perspective from Uncle Sam and all that good stuff. Right?
1: What would be a decent amount?
0: So I would say that's kind of, that's really kind of hard to say a decent amount, but I mean, at least to cover whatever asset that you're getting. Right, okay. so maybe 25,000, 50,000, right? 100,000. It needs to be a decent amount there, okay. right? There's not, you know, if you're trying to buy gold, you know, one ounce of gold for, you know, I don't know, you know, what the price of gold is right now, 1400, 1700, right? Okay, I'm gonna put 11, just it's I don't think it's worth it, right? You might as well just kind of buy the gold ETF or you know what I'm saying. So it, it, I feel like it needs to be for a decent sum. Um, on an account. How can you transfer your 401k to a Roth when you okay. can only deposit? Um, um, about 6K a year. Just curious. So remember, there's only a, when it comes to retirement accounts, Roth or IRAs, the, the it, it's you only can contribute $6,500 a year, but you can roll over a billion dollars into a Roth, right? <laughs> you know, so there's no, there's no limit of how much you that
1: can
0: roll yeah, it's just a single you into an IRA, you can't contribute yeah. that money. So a rollover is not the same as a contribution. Yeah. Okay? So yeah. So, so you have yeah.
1: contribution, distribution, rollovers. Uh, but he had he had a good 250000 dollars sitting in his 401k. So yeah. what now was he taxed when he did the conversion? Yes, he was. But yeah. that was the last time that he was taxed on it. So taking that 250 and trading crypto, he made a good lump sum from it. And now it's sitting on his Roth.
0: Yeah, you know? and, and, I, and I also think people have to understand, too, uh, of when and how to do a conversion. OK, oh, yeah. so, if some, so if somebody has a, a sizable 401k for me personally, depending upon how savvy the person is, because I want to make sure that, again, they're talking to their tax. They the tax uh people, right? They're CPAs, they're tax strategists, however, because I don't want to say, hey, look, you got a quarter million dollars into a 401k. Let's mm-hmm. automatically put this into a Roth. Well, they're gonna owe a bunch of taxes on that dick on thing. A lot, a lot, right? You're gonna have to pay the 10% early withdrawal, you're gonna have to pay the right, you're gonna have to pay the, right? the tax like there's oh, I'm sorry. you won't have to pay the early withdrawal penalty. Scratch that, no 10% early withdrawal, but you will have to pay right your state federal income taxes because that's all pre-tax money. Yeah, okay. Right? Um, So there's ways that you can do conversions of your 401k or traditional IRAs to where you're converting it up to that next tax bracket, right? Mm -hmm. So that way you're not taxed more on that new money. So Mm -hmm. there's a couple of ways that I use different programs to really look at somebody's full financial plans and say, okay, should they do a Roth conversion? When should they do a Roth conversion? And in your case, they understood the strategy that you guys put in. The the timing
1: is everything. Timing is everything, right? So when, when your accountant or your tax strategist is doing tax planning, which we will speak in the future, probably in the next month or two, when your tax strategist or your accountant is doing tax planning, one of the things that he or she's going to look at is projection, right? Yeah. They're going to project to see what your in year looks like. And if they can project, say like, we're looking at a, um, a low tax liability, right? That means we have a high net income. Um, yeah. I mean, a low tax liability, uh, if you have a high tax liability, then we're going to talk about, OK, what was the goal this year? If the goal this year was for you to convert your 401k, and you have a low tax liability and say, hey, let's wait till next year. Right. Let's wait till you have a high tax liability. Then let's convert because that's going to be income. I going to tax you on that as income. Right. So yeah. we're going to say, let's wait. Let's wait for you to do this conversion. So timing. Is everything when it comes to um, taxation? When you plan, it's gonna, um, that's why too. A lot of people they'll come to me in December and January, and it breaks my heart because it's only so much that I can do. It's really small. What I can do in December and January is very small. But if you come in to me in January, but it is for the current year, then there's a lot we can do. Because Not then really. by June, July, we're planning, we're projecting, right? And um, and if we can, pl- planning is everything, guys. Well, Plan- so. Tax planning is is more important than taxation than actually tax yeah. completing your tax return. Yeah,
0: and it's like we said, I guess on a previous show. I think this was your first show. Uh, you know that tax planning really comes into play when it's um a business versus just a w-2 employee right yeah. uh so it's totally it's really different so it says okay. hey is, is there a certain amount you should have um for this conversion i mean it's it's, it's depending upon so when you're doing a conversion right a roth conversion it's going to be dictated by your overall income and what current tax bracket you're at right so if you're at a 24 percent tax bracket right because right if you're because if you're on a 24 percent tax bracket but we do a raw conversion. I don't want you. To, I don't want to put you into the next tax bracket. That would be a 32 percent. right? We
1: don't want to do that. So I want, want to, to
0: stay at that twenty four percent. So I want to I want to convert only as much that's going to going to not put you into the next bracket. Did you do tax anything more? Right. Think, so That's all dictated by your personal income, your personal situation. So there's not like a flat number. It's yeah. really based on what you have, what your taxes say. So for me as an advisor, when I'm doing conversions, I also is not just about my decision. It's also, I need to make sure that me and your CPA or your tax strategist, we need to be in cahoots. We need to understand: hey, if I do this for this client, what is what is their effect?
1: Carl, right. So that's why like
0: building wealth is really a team sport, yeah. right? To where you should have multiple professionals come together to make sure you're making those right decisions, is not just saying, hey, look, I'm listening to this one person. They said do this. It don't work like that. Right. It it will. It should not work that way. You know, I always say, hey, we always say, hey, talk to your advisor. I'm always like, "Okay, talk to your accountant. Right. Talk to your CPA. And then let's or let's us get on a conference call together to make sure that happens.
1: And what Chris is saying is so important because you guys, you have no idea how many time I will tell my client, "Okay, um, give me a couple of days let me speak um, to um, one of my colleagues that is a financial advisor and see how this will work or you have no idea how many times i'll get a phone call and one of my colleagues that are a financial advisors be like hey abby this is the situation with my client how will this affect their taxes remember guys i always tell you there's three people that you guys need to have if you're building generational wealth you need a business attorney or you need an attorney you need a financial advisor and you need an accountant that understand the industry you're in and that understand how to strategy strategize your situation so it is not a one-person game your um your financial advisor may say hey let's roll over this fifty thousand dollars you have and then um from your um traditional IRA to your roth and then um end of the year you go to your tax um accountant and your tax accountant say this is how much you owe and you're like why do i owe this much well that's because you did your rollover right that's because and now because it was not some type of planning some type of communication between your financial advisor and your account. This is why we, we made this show like this. This is why we have a tax strategist and a financial advisor. Yeah. Because both of them are so important in order for you to be able to build generational wealth.
0: Yeah. So let's look at this. Another, well, Emily, just you asked another question real quick. She said, um, is a role is a rollover different than conversion? Yes. A rollover just means, hey, look, if you have money from a 401k, you're rolling it over to an IRA, right? Okay. Or if you say you have a Roth 401k, you're rolling it over to a Roth IRA. That would be considered a rollover. A transfer would be considered, you know, hey, I'm transferring from one IRA to another IRA. That's a transfer. It's not coming from an employer-sponsored plan, right? A conversion is, hey, I'm going from traditional IRA and I'm converting it because the taxes are different. I'm converting it to a Roth, right? Traditional IRAs are typically tax-deferred. Roth IRAs, are tax- they grow tax-free. So most of the time, you're going to have an IRA when you have more pre-tax money inside that account. So if I take pre-tax money from my traditional IRA and I'm and I'm converting it to a Roth IRA, I'm paying the taxes, right, on whatever is in this traditional and I'm converting it or making a conversion to the Roth. So those things are different. OK, uh, yeah, when you're going from a pre-tax account to an active tax account, that would be considered a conversion. I guess that would have been an easier way to, to say it, um, made it sound more complicated than it Uh <laughs> No, you didn't.
1: You didn't make it complicated. Is a past employer annuity taxable? fed and new york state under 62 and still working hmm.
0: uh, i guess i don't understand it. i'm going to have
1: to pull this one up for you well, I, think, it, I think
0: more information needs to go into the question because um, no. a past employer annuity tax
1: zero
0: well if you anytime you have let's say is it a tsa a tax right is it a what type is so if it's anytime you have a um a retirement plan no matter what type of retirement plan that you employer, have from a past employer right it's taxable Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. If it's using pre-tax money, you're going to be taxed. So it's not 50. It's not under 52. It's 59 and a half. So at 59, if you're over 59 and a half, you don't you don't get the 10 percent early withdrawal penalty. However, if it's using pre-tax money, anytime that growth, you pull money out, you will have to pay state and federal taxes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you will. You will. Um. So-, right. so,
0: so it's not. Yeah, it's 59 and a half. Mm-hmm. You don't do the early withdrawal penalty. After 59 and a half, if it's pre tax money on the growth and the balance, right, you're going to have to pay state and federal taxes on it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, if you want more information, I would say um, read, um, go to irs.gov and pull up topics for number 410. It will literally go over in detail for you. So, um, but yes, to answer the question, um, Chris just answered it, but yes, you would be taxed on the federal and the state level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A team more. Boom.
0: Cool. Any other um? Any other questions we got? We're taking some okay. some live questions today, I guess. Anybody have anything else?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let me stop.
0: Nothing else, I guess. Let's see.
1: All right, today was good. We answered a lot of questions in here. Yeah,
0: yeah, and you know, so, I mean, that's why we really want to give people a chance to ask a question. That's one thing that's huge. So. Uh, yeah, so if, if we don't have any additional questions tonight, um, we got a pretty big show that's going to be next, next Wednesday. That'll be exciting. I'll, I'm going to have a full presentation uh, for next Wednesday. Can I go over some higher level uh, advanced planning activities? So I'm kind of excited about that. And then since we're entering the new month, planning?
1: Right, you want to do tax planning?
0: No, I don't. I, well, I'm not going to do tax planning. You do tax planning. I'm not going to do tax planning. <laughs> yeah. Right? See,
1: I'm trying to get Chris to do my job. Y'all come on. We're trying uh, to get in
0: trouble. Right. So, yeah, so <laughs> next week will be pretty, we are pretty, we'll be pretty good. Um, I'll have, again, I'll do a full presentation, um, you know, going over pretty advanced Chris planning, what girl. that looks like from an investment standpoint. Um, we're kind of, we're going to touch on it in April. I want to do portfolio allocation. I want to, um, get a, uh, I, I really want to get my partner in with me to, so we can kind of, I have a couple questions on Infinite Banking. You said, well, oh,
1: I- also guys, if there's like a specific um, guest that you guys would like for us to bring in to the show, email us. Let yeah. us know. Yeah. Chris knows everybody, y'all.
0: Come on, we can, we can get them on. So, and oh, if you guys have questions, don't forget to um, send us an email, right? So can we put the email on the screen for us? Can you put the email on us?
1: He's like, what email? <laughs>
0: you need an email, It's uh, oh, there it is.
1: Oh, what question? Chris great show tonight okay guys thank you for coming in showing up and showing out and coming with all your questions that's the goal the goal is to make sure that you guys are educated um on your financial needs and your taxation needs um thank you for um not being so shy and answering and asking those great questions
0: absolutely all right boom so i'll see you guys soon
1: i'll see you guys i'm abby joseph the tax strategist
0: i'm christopher bush financial advisor
1: And thank you for joining us in the Red Line. I'll see you guys next week.
0: Take care.